will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hey, it's episode 420, brah. Ferg on the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew RLP. And Jimmy, as always, is the glorious League Freak, brah. Hey, you going, brah? I'm going pretty good, brah. How's it going, brah? Yeah, yeah. Go good, go good. 420. Been to the Gold Coast? Ah, uh, it's, it's too good coffee on the Gold Coast, brah. I'll stop before then, I get to the, to the Gold Coast. Yeah. Where you stop at, bruh? Fucking Ningen, bruh. Mm. I stopped there, and I just, I, wait a minute, what were we talking about again? I forget. Anyway, yeah. you've got some news, bruh. Yeah, bruh. Aha. Uh-huh. Joey. Joey. Uh, you know the bloke? Yeah, I've heard of him, bruh. Yeah, he goes, he goes good, bruh. Uh, he's become some board member of some medicinal cannabis mob. Well, I'll tell you what, if I was going to take some uh, medical advice, I would, and I wanted somebody to lead the field in medical marijuana, I would want it to be Andrew Johns. I mean, I'm not going to want some clean skin. No, no. I, I mean, he did, I, I did like the fact that uh, he went, oh, my back, better get some medicinal cannabis. <laughs> Apparently it fixes his, his back. Yeah, his he's... Neck. he's Yes, fucking glaucoma. Yeah, mate. He's uh, according to the, we are, we're not taking the piss here. There's a press release, mm-hmm. and in that he talks about how he couldn't play, he couldn't do surfing until he really? took some uh, medicinal cannabis, bra, mm-hmm. and now he can surf again. Nice. Is he actually surfing on a surfboard, or is he just fucking riding the waves of Mother Nature <laughs> and that green goodness? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll leave that with you, bra. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I guess uh, eventually it is going to be something that you find in Australia and everyone's going to be, look, we might end up fucking promoting all of the oils and shit. I've, I've never used it in my life, by the way, if anyone that's wondering, but um, I know Andrew's always puffing away, but not really. I'm just joking about that. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but, yeah. but trust yeah. me, it doesn't matter how hard you try. Not a single human who knows me would ever believe that. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, you, you got to be careful what you say though on the podcast because people think that you you're being like, I don't know. You'll say something and people will be like, "Really?" It's like, no, we were joking. It's like everything you said is fucking serious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, good on him. I'm glad that he's putting his money where his mouth is. And something else. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Good on him. Now, there was some news that come during the week. Oh. And it reminded me a little bit of Paul Sculthorpe. Uh, Victor Radley has turned down that New South Wales Blues jersey nobody offered to him. And he has decided to play for England because of his daddy. His daddy is English. And he wanted to make his daddy proud. So yeah, he said that. He wanted to play for England for his daddy and the England Rugby League team immediately promoted it because, you know, even the England Rugby League fucking Twitter account knows you. The less English players in your side, the better. 
<laughs> they're going, holy shit, there's someone in our team who other people outside of England knows. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and there's been a, a lot of conjecture about what that means for state of origin and, you know, the same old fucking talking head say, oh, well, we should just let anyone play origin and, like, because nobody's got a fucking a memory bank that goes for longer than five minutes these days. You know, we can turn it into a residency series. I wonder what that would be like, Andrew. Is there any fucking record of what that would be like? Is there fucking 80 years worth of them records somewhere? Yeah, there's a bit of a form line, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I thought there Um, might have been, hey. Yeah, Uh, let's let's just give you a bit of a rough overview. So there was uh, about 213 games played. And New South Wales won 159 of them. Hmm. There yeah. was 56 series played, and New South Wales won 45 of those 56 series. Yeah, that sounds like the sort of series that maybe needs to, I don't know, be rebooted well, in some sort of different I, format. I mean, I'm not opposed. Yeah. Maybe you could have it where you play for the state in which you were born. Well, I mean, that was the reason for Origin in the first place. That'll hence, never work. Hence the term Origin. That'll never work. But they've, Do we they've have some sort of timeline as to how that would work, by the way, if we did it like that? Oh, Queensland was winning a lot. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And then Queensland started running out of players, so they started getting people from New Zealand and everywhere else, and they started being competitive. Yeah, they started realising the best thing to do is not to get Queenslanders inside. Remember when they were, like, all celebrating the Queensland Rugby League? Whenever they'd get somebody into the side, it's like, you're celebrating having fewer Queensland t- players in your team. Like, do you realise what you're doing? And it didn't do much good. Like, it, it really hurt Queensland Rugby League. Thankfully, now that we've got better rules in place, Queensland Rugby League is starting to rebuild its strength with homegrown players. But all of these idiots that are coming out and saying, oh, this player shouldn't play this and this player shouldn't play that, it's very weird. I see a lot of race-based stuff in it. Like, I'm seeing dudes that are born and raised in Australia, but their skin colour is, like, dark. And people are saying, well, they should just play for tomorrow. It's like, they're fucking as Australian as you and me, you idiot. <laughs> you fucking moron. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. It's true, it's, though. It's true. I know, I know. It's, it's, like, it's I've, this... got, I've got more in fucking... Uh, Jer- Jerome, Luan and me have more in common than me and fucking Victor Radley, right? Okay, we grew up in the same area. We, we fucking... We know the same shit, you know? Probably went to the same train station. Play... What? Went to the same train station. Probably did. Probably did. <laughs> same station antics. But... yeah. Uh, seriously, and then people are like, "Well, they should play for Australia." It's like they're fucking Australian, you dumb fuck. Uh, I don't know. It's crazy. There's too it's many crazy. dumb fucks that have a voice. That's what it is, Andrew. That was, I cannot argue with that at all. Not mm-hmm. one iota. Mm. Not at all. If look, if Victor Radley, right? Mm. If you want to say, you know what, I'm gonna become English, and it will make my daddy proud. Go for it, Victor, because yeah. I don't give a fuck. I really <laughs> don't give a fuck, Victor. If you want to turn your back on the great nation of Australia, you're more than welcome to, okay? But you're a pom, and I will always think of you as a pom. You have to live with that. You've got to drink gravy. You've got to get fucking sunburn anytime it's over 18 <laughs> degrees. 
You got to warn people when it gets to forty degrees. You got to talk about fucking melting tarmac and shit. That's your life now, Victor. Do you really want that for yourself? Can I ask? Now that Victor Radley's English, yeah. Where does he rate amongst the best English players of all time since nineteen ninety two? Ninety two. Well, see, there's this thing that came out on Twitter the other day. I saw it. I, I have to I have to raise it. Mm-hmm. The sportsman, some English bullshit thing. Mm-hmm. I asked the question, Britain's greatest ever rugby league player, and they've got James Roby, Kevin Sinfield, <laughs> Goat Sinfield, um, Ellery Hanley, Gary Schofield. Obviously, if it's of those four, Hanley wins this thing by a fucking mile. But uh, yeah. hashtag Goat Sinfield mm-hmm. has uh, somehow got 38% of the vote. But Hanley's the only one out of those four that is in the conversation as one of England's or Great Britain's greatest ever rugby league player. And yeah. I don't think he's he is it. But he's in that conversation. The other three, yes. not even close. No, not a, like you don't even consider, I mean, two of them you don't even consider for the best player in the last 20 years in England. No. So, like, so, yeah, it's weird. But, look, I can't complain that the sportsman doesn't know uh, anything about English rugby league because most of England doesn't know anything about English rugby league because it's a bunch of small little clubs in little towns in northern England. Like ah, they, all, they all know about what the game used to be because they still celebrate that. Well, They're so busy celebrating what it used to be. And back in my day, they're not they're not looking at now or god forbid the future do you remember when english rugby league wasn't about talking shit yeah doing nothing do you remember that when they used to not talk shit and achieve nothing i remember that they they were good days fortunately they've been gone for 20 what 20 30 years something like that like remember that great wigan side in the mid 90s how much shit that it didn't talk because it just fucking did it it went out and fucking won everything they were, I mean, they were impressive. Mm. There's no two ways around it. They were a very impressive side. Um, Best in the world. Comfortably. They yeah. went close to beating Australia on that. Was it the 1990 Kangaroo Tour? Was it the 94 one? I can't remember. Oh, geez, I'll tell you what. I'm going to have to have a look at this one. Bear with me, people. <laughs> the thing is, that Wigan team, right? It used to. It knew it was a great side. It would take on anyone, anywhere, anytime. That just didn't matter when. Just would go and play them. And when they would win, they just would win. That was it. They didn't have to say anything. That's it. Yeah. Um. Here we go. Oh no, I was thinking a bit further back. There you go. They they beat Australia several times. So nineteen oh nine, nineteen eleven. 1948, 1959. Mm. Think about that. That's an Australian team full of future immortals. A lot of the Dragons players. Beat them again in 67. Even more immortals in there. Um, a draw in 1972. And a bunch of pretty reasonably good results against Australia as they were taking the game to the next level. So in 78, Australia won 28-2. to In 82, they won 13-9. to In 86, they won 26-18. 
1990, Australia won 34 to 6. And in 94, Australia won 30 to 20. And you just, I mean, Wigan, they don't, they don't promote it. They just, that's part of their history. They don't have to promote it because they did it. Um, and you've got to admire that. Absolutely you do. Absolutely you do. God, that's some good teams. They did, yeah, they did. Well, that, like, it's it's interesting because up until about 95, if somebody had said Wigan is the best rugby league team in the world, it would be pretty hard to argue with it. And then by 97, we found out what had happened to English Rugby League when we had that World Club Challenge. And it was only yeah. half of the Australian competition versus Super League. And they, they they decimated the Super League clubs. And I think that a lot of people within the England Rugby League setup, not so much fans, because I think fans, the English Rugby League fans over the last 20 years, I think they understand what, the scenario is with English rugby league compared to rugby league elsewhere. But I think people within English rugby league still look at 97 and think that's an anomaly. But the problem is they see every other result after that as an anomaly as well, to the point Mm. where you get to, you know, Great Britain can't beat anyone when they come to the Southern Hemisphere a couple of years ago and they say, oh, well, yeah, but that was that Wayne Bennett anomaly. That was him. That was me. I mean, he single-handedly destroyed English Rugby League. They yeah. were going along so fine until he came along. Well, they used to blame uh, Bill Harrigan for being biased against wow, England I mean, and that. Uh, you can't argue with it. He is and, Australian. But then they had an English referee, something Smith. I can't remember his first name. Robert? Robert's, was his name Robert Smith? Robert Smith? Robin Smith. I can't remember. Something okay. like that. Anyway. He, Let's go they, with Rob Smith. We'll agree on that one. Let's just call him Robbo. Anyway, they used to say that he was the problem because he was so unbiased that he was biased against Great Britain. And it's there's always something, you know. It's always something. But, you know, the rest of the world just keeps playing rugby league. Yeah. That's the important thing. I'm just going to say this. On, on the international stage, my favourite referee was Alain Sabley Rolls from France. Really? Yeah. Just big hand gestures. I love it. I sound like I'm describing about, you know, someone doing good dancing. So, uh, loved him. What do you think about my uh, opinion that um, Europe should have less qualification places in the World Cup because, quite frankly, the strongest area for rugby league worldwide is the Pacific and that the Pacific should have more places for teams to qualify and there should be less... European teams, because I look at the European teams and it's like, well, why Scotland there? Why is Wales there? You know, there's a lot of teams there that just shouldn't be there. And I just think there's, there's a lot of teams in the Pacific Islands that should be there because that's where rugby league is at its strongest. I think uh, there's definitely merit to that conversation. Yeah. I'm not going to oppose it because it's, there's a vast volume of logic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to probably start looking at a Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere tournaments mm-hmm. and, if need be, have the top, I don't know, three, six teams from both play each other in a World Cup and make it a, sh- a shorter thing. See, I... I, I mean, and that, that's something, that the, the coming together and having a shorter thing at the end, that's only if 
you know, if the international rugby league thinks it's necessary, I, I don't generally think it would be. I think we're at the stage now where everyone is pretty confident that the Pacific nations mm. are vastly better now at rugby league than anything north of the equator. One hundred percent, yeah, yeah. So the proper World Cup will be down here, and then we can have a dinky die thing afterwards where we invite over these teams and built them around and go, well, you know, it's nice of you to come along and play along. That was, that was nice of you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the International Rugby League, um, as those results turn against Northern Hemisphere sides, how they respond because everything we've seen out of uh, the International Rugby League is skewed towards Northern Hemisphere teams. There's, uh, there's a fallback. Mm-hmm. Right, so you get more points, regardless of the result. You get more points for um, the for the shortest distance from London being played. Yeah, it'll be something like that. Yeah, although so no, every every kilometer after <laughs> after the first four hundred kilometers, every kilometer after that, you lose like three million points. It'll be the shortest distance from Bradford. Okay. <laughs> Because they even the England Rugby League team doesn't play in fucking London. That's like foreign territory for the England Rugby League that, team. That's right. They used to back in the nineties play at Wembley. Yeah, people would go up. Uh, they'd yeah. go to Wembley. People from London would go and enjoy watching the Great Britain side. Um, that were that were great. Yeah, well, they were great to a point, and then, um, well, would you cross the street to watch the Great Britain team at the moment? Watch it. Who, like they played in Warrington, and it was England versus the Combined Nations, and Warrington didn't turn up to watch them. <laughs> well, you know no, what was going on in Warrington? Yeah, there was day? a um, yeah, there was a fate on at the local church. Ah, oh. mate, you do not turn down a trip to the fate. Fucking Warrington! You might, you might get yourself a new Bible stand or something. They, they had a drug overdose to attend. <laughs> I mean, see, I was, I was making it out to be God-fearing people. <laughs> nah, that's, Warrington people don't give a shit. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I mean, they live in fucking Warrington. If they gave a shit, yeah. they wouldn't live in Warrington, would they? They'd go to Wigan. Yeah, they they think of Wigan as the big smoke. It's like St. Helens. St. Helens think of Wigan as the big smoke. Um, So uh, there was some news today that came out that uh, George Burgess from the St. George Illawarra Dragons has been in rehab for a number of weeks um, dealing with some personal matters. And it made me think about what a weird signing it was when they did sign him and that it just is one of those things that hasn't worked out for him. He had a a legal issue as well uh, a couple of months back that he's had to deal with, but apparently him being in rehab has nothing to do with the legal issue. Of course um, But... But, yeah, that's uh, something that St. George come out today and, and informed the media and supporter base, I guess, about that. And then uh, on the weekend, we had a funny situation that we should probably talk about where um, the defending NRL and world champion Penrith Panthers decided to rest a number of their state of origin players against the West Tigers. Um, they beat the Tigers despite how so, it was. Right. Seven players out, something like that. 
So fucking disrespectful, mate. Yeah, and then Brett Kamali said it was disrespectful. Um, you, you should, you should all everything, everything that's ever been anywhere near Penrith should be shamed themselves mm. for being so disrespectful to the mm. worst team in the competition. Mm, I know, right? Where, know. Where's the respect? You know that, what I'm that finding. The ti- hang on, hang on. Where's the respect that mm. the Tigers don't deserve? Where is it? I know. You would think after barely winning any games this year and sacking their coach, and the fucking ridiculous situation that they've got coming up over the next, I don't know, seven or eight years that they've worked out. You would think that they would get more respect. Dude, I mean, do I need to give you stats? Give me some stats. Hit me with some some respectful stats. Okay. From 2013 till now, the West Tigers have had three win streaks that we've been at least three games. And all three of those win streaks were exactly three games, nothing longer. So they've never won four games in a row since 2013. Correct. In the same time, they've had 20 losing streaks of at least three games. Eight were by three. Eight were three games long. Four were four games. Two were five games. Four, including the current one, are six games. And two of them have been seven games long. Where's our respect? Can't get no respect. <laughs> Where's the respect? I mean, since May 1, the West Tigers, and arguably, not even arguably, obviously, the worst team in all three divisions of the English Rugby League, the West Wales Raiders, they play in League One, the third division. Mm-hmm. Both teams have only had one win each. The West Wales Raiders have had 100 points put on them this year. Mm. They've had the same number of wins as the West Tigers since May 1. These, That's just are, that just seems disrespectful. But where's the respect? These are just facts. Now, I've got another stat for you, okay? This is looking at the three teams who have sacked their coaches this year, okay? So look at the um, the West Tigers. Under Maguire, they won 25% of their games when they sacked him. That's after 12 games. Mm-hmm. They've not won a single game in their five games since. The average score was 15 to 24. Now it's 10 to 26. So okay. they're scoring five points less and conceding two points more. Okay, and they um, did that against some teams uh, that were missing plays through origin as well. So it's not like... Yeah. And that's... teams at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Warriors under Nathan Brown, they won 30% of their games. Under Stacey Jones, it's 25%. Mm-hmm. Um. Their defence is a tiny bit better. So they're considering 27.3. It's now down to 27. Their attack has gone down by two points, though. The biggest change, though, has been the Bulldogs. Now, bear in mind, do you remember the name of that Bulldogs coach that got sacked this year? All I remember was that he was the architect. And when they called him the architect, it was as weird as when you'd watch Matrix Revolutions and the architect in that looked like Colonel Sanders. Yes. And remember what his role was at Penrith? He yes. He was integral to Penrith. What was it? It, it, it was integral to their attack. That's uh, right. Their attack and, was so good because of him. Basically, the credit was his. It wasn't Ivan Cleary's. That's right. Mm. So in the 10 games that Barrett was coaching the Bulldogs this year, they scored 9.6 per, points per game. 9.6. In the seven games that Potter's been there, they're scoring... 24 points per game. Fucking hell. <laughs> That's crazy. 15 points per game better. 
Wow. Yeah, there's, there's your attacking super coach right there for you. Wow. That's unbelievable. They look so good at the moment. Um, Atrocious attack when he was there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it shows you, though, that the other clubs, well, the Warriors haven't really changed a great deal. They're, they're winning slightly less. Yeah. Um, but their attack and defense hasn't changed too much. The Tigers, noticeable difference there. Um, yeah. Bulldogs, yeah, it's a little bit of a difference there. Um, the last one we've got here is the form ladder. So looking from round 12 to round 18, the last six rounds. Okay. Uh, Penrith, only undefeated team. Um, Cronulla and South are the next two. Now, the interesting thing about these two is Cronulla has the, are the only other team other than Penrith to have conceded less than 100 points. I would also say one of the weird things, too, is that when I think of Cronulla and the Sharks, uh, Cronulla and the Sharks, uh, Cronulla and South Sydney over the last month and a half, I don't think of two teams that are setting the world on fire. No, like, the Sharks have playing, had a, they're have playing had a friendly okay. draw, too. Yeah, yeah. But Sharks, have they've only conceded six points more than the Panthers have in the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. South are the best attacking team over the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. They've scored 24 points more than Penrith have. Wow. Almost 200 points. They've scored 192 points in the last six games. So Cronulla and South both got five wins. Manly, Cowboys, Parramatta, Brisbane, all with four wins. Melbourne, Canberra, Dragons with three wins. The Bulldogs, the Roosters, the Knights with two. The Warriors with one. Titans, Tigers, zero wins. The Tigers have the... Worst attack, the worst defense, <laughs> and they are dreadful. But the books look but amazing. Where's the res- yeah, but but uh, where's the respect? Yeah, I know. Now, I did have one more here. What was it? Oh, yeah. The worst seasons after 17 games have been played mm-hmm. for West Balmain and the West Tigers. Okay. 1984 Magpies. They had one win and 16 losses. Yeah. The 99 Magpies had three wins, 14 losses. The 94 Tigers, three wins, 14 losses. 1955 Magpies, three wins, 14 losses. And then the Tigers this year. Wow. So they're in uh, some rare company, even for the two teams they merged together. Yep. yep. That's interesting. The shit. This is, so that means that this is the worst West Tigers team ever. Yeah. And look, I mean, the future is bright, though. I don't know, not really. I just thought I'd say that. I needed a punchline. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, we'll move on. I've I've done my facts. There we go. Yeah. So um, I just hope that Brett Kamali moving forward doesn't feel as disrespected by other teams as he was against the Panthers or what was, you know, a lot of Windsor Wolves players in that team. Um, I'm sure he will be because none of them will offer him a job. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it isn't it weird how no one gives a fuck that Brett Kamali just got shoved under the bus? No one gives <laughs> no. a shit. It's like he, he didn't even get shoved under the bus. It's just like Brett, we're just going to use you to chalk up the rear wheels on the bus, okay? If it rolls backwards over you, you know you're only short. That's going to happen. <laughs> Basically, Tim Sheens has said, "I want to coach the side, not just yet. They're fucking shit. So if you yeah, could I'm, take over I'm now, not, Brett, yeah, and, yeah, I'm not taking the heat for this shit season. Yeah, this is on you, Brett." Don't you, as a, if you're Brett Kamali, don't you leave immediately? 
Like as soon as they make oh. a decision that you're not going to be there next year, don't you say, well, thanks, but I, uh, I want to look after my career and uh, my career's integrity and I'm not going to just chalk up a bunch of losses so that my boss, who's effectively sacked me as well at the end of the year, can take over next year after I've eaten all of these shit sandwiches for him. Yeah, I'd just say, um, you know what? I don't need to shit. Mm. I just just walk out. Yeah. And just see who, who's going to handball it then. I reckon that they'd make Robbie Farrah captain. I wouldn't be surprised I if coached. they did that. Yeah. I reckon they'd put Farrah in there because they, they're good at throwing Farrah under the bus. I don't know. I, I've got I've got opinions on Robbie Farrah at the moment that I know you wouldn't like. I know you'd hate them actually. Well, we we're, we're here now. No, I, I, I don't. I don't want to bring him up because but you don't get dick teasing people like this. <laughs> I like to tease. I think Rob, <laughs> I, I think Robbie Farrah. I, I think that there's no self awareness of the optics of where he's at at the moment. And I think if you brought that up to him, he'd, he'd do a fucking whinge about it. Um, I think that he, at the moment, it looks like he's been a massive white ant and I would be absolutely fucking shocked if by 2025, Benji Marshall is the one that takes over as the head coach when him and Robbie Farah have been equal footing assistant coaches. I thought the plan was that Benji was always going to be the head coach. Well, I think that that's the plan, right? But as I said in the last episode, the the perfect, the absolute perfect plan is that Tim Sheen's coaches the side for three years, right? And then after three, and during that three years, Robbie Farr and Benji Marshall are his assistant coaches. And at the end of that three years, Benji Marshall then coaches as the head coach on a two-year deal, Right. That's the mm. perfect case scenario. In the best case scenario in the NRL right now, right, with Penrith, mm-hmm. if I said to you, Ivan Cleary is the coach until 2025 and then Cameron Seraldo is going to take over, wouldn't you say, wow, that's that's a fucking long way away, dude. Okay, you sure we're all going to get there? I see what you're getting at. Yeah. Like, are we sure that but, Tim but, Sheens isn't going to get sacked when got, he takes you over? You've got to look at it through West Tiger's eyes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know that every season that you coach there is going to be shit. Mm-hmm. So you'll bide your time. <laughs> who who wants to jump into a shit sandwich? You never know. In the future, it might have sugar on it. Let's wait for the sugar. Yeah. I, look, I get that. I get that completely. I just think That's, it's weird that... Like if if you said in 2025 the Panthers going to be taken over by Craig Bellamy, I'd be like, well that sounds good, but that's a fucking long way away, <laughs> you know. But that's Penrith. They've been they're, they're successful at the moment. But that's what I'm saying. Like this, they've is got the, a future at the moment. I know that's what I'm saying. This is the perfect scenario I'm going for, right? Uh, the West Tigers no have such, a perfect scenario. There's no such thing. Tigers don't have perfect. They don't have a scenario. Okay, here's a question for you. Do you think? That Tim Sheens will see out that three-year deal. Yes. You really do? Yeah. Would he be the longest-serving he coach? He's got since... that club by the balls, man. I know, but he would be the longest-serving West Tigers coach 
Seats team shanes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, so, yeah, I'll tell you what I reckon is going to happen. Okay. Is that he'll coach for those two years, okay? Mm-hmm. He'll put it's Benji Marshall in. It's three years. Yeah. He'll make it two. Okay. He'll say, oh, I'm too old for this. I've taught Benji all he needs to know. He'll, give, he'll do two years, mm-hmm. put Benji in, and he'll say to the club, Benji's obviously only been assistant coach for two years. Still a bit wet behind the ears. How's about you put me back on as coaching director and I can be his mentor. And I'll just do that for five or six years, okay? We'll just do that for now. And he'll just stay in that sort of role forever because that's what he wants. Oh, that would be so cunty. Because he wants control all the time. If that's, Tim Sh- that's the, that is more, more than likely the reason why mm. they put this stupid plan together of having Tim Sheen's coaching for two, three years and then having a complete novice who's done no assistant coaching at all getting thrown as the head coach in a few years' time. And and you, look, you and me fucking love Benji Marshall, right? Yeah. We've had we've done episodes talking about should he be an immortal? And we both lean on the side of yeah, probably, right? We 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 love him, right? Yeah. We've also had episodes where we've talked about why great coaches or great players find it difficult to be great coaches, right? Yeah. And it has nothing to do with what they know about football, what they've achieved or anything. It's just a, being a head coach is like being an artist. Yet some people are artists, some people just paint, okay? Yeah. And, and like, the idea that in the next three years, Benji Marshall's he's going to be in that position where he is all of a sudden the coach the West Tigers need. It's like, man, it's got to be the perfect situation to line up every way for this to work for the West Tigers. I want to ask you a question. If you were the West Tigers chairman or CEO, all right. Mm -hmm. And you had brought Tim Sheens to the club and said, Tim, we, we need you to do a review of the club. We see that our junior development isn't quite where we want it to be. We want to have a look at our coaching situation. We want you to just come back and just tell us what you think. And he comes back to you and he says, well, look, I think we should sack Michael Maguire and put in somebody. And my plan is that I'm going to be the coach for three years and then Benji Marshall's going to be the coach two years after me. Uh, what would you say to Tim Sheens? We've paid you good money to come in here and give us a genuine, honest, intelligent, professional solution. If we wanted a comedian, we would have gone and hired one. What part of this concept that you've put to us is better than what we currently have? We're going from a a bloke who got a team that had struggled and had even been kicked out of the competition for years, decades. He changed their DNA and made them a successful club, and they still are. They're still punched. They're still in the finals. They're still one of the top teams in the competition years after he left. Mm-hmm. How is getting you back here for a few seasons and then getting a bloke who's never coached a fucking thing in his life, making him the head coach, and you're going to teach him how to do all of that while coaching an NRL team and teaching him how to do it as well at the same time in the space of two or three seasons. How is that a better, smarter solution than what we currently have in place? I agree. I agree completely. 
it's madness. Um, and yeah, the dumb thing I, is, the West Tigers have come out and said, well, we're going back to the Tigers' DNA. I went, what the fuck is that shit? <laughs> the, the, the Tigers' DNA is a club that got four premierships and 3,000 fucking wooden spoons and got dicked every fucking week in its last two seasons, and a Balmain side that was slowly dying. But yeah. Balmain made the finals in every fucking decade that, that they played in. That's the yeah, one thing they had. They were it, competitive. They won 14 titles. Mind you, all of those were, well, all but one of them were before World War II. But still, they had some success to learn. They had something to be proud about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not the best DNA, is it? This is the DNA that you you leave on top of the bed sheet and it ruins your mattress, quite honestly. This is the DNA yeah. of a frog that's been run over by a Mack truck. It's the sort of DNA you find in a dead rubber on the fucking <laughs> down a laneway. Um, yeah, it's a weird situation. I, I just, I, it's, I, it's I, stupid. It's yeah. Stupid. I, the minute I, they sacked Maguire, I thought they are not going to find a better option, and they've gone out and found the possibly, wouldn't say the worst option because that's Trent Barrett, but they've mm. found maybe the second worst option, and that is Sheens followed by a bloke who's never coached before. Yeah, it's a weird one. That's a very weird one. Oh, five more years of me whinging about on the podcast. I'm That'll sure you good. people will love it. Lock it in. <laughs> yeah. Next next year I'll be going on about all the players, you know, all the player selections and, you know, we'll probably have, uh, what's, what would be a good one? Hmm. Oh, you'll probably put uh, Nofaluma in the front row. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good one. Hey, the NRL website just shat itself, hey? Did it? Yeah, you go to nrl.com and it says, sorry, we dropped the ball. An error occurred trying to load the page you requested. Please oh, try mate, again soon. The uh, URL might be up for sale. Maybe, Quick. I should see. Yeah. Um, I like to think, too, it's copyrighted in 2019. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Um, so, oh, you know what it is? It's it, I don't think it's the NRL website. I think it's a link on the NRL website that my – no, it's nope. – I've just gone to NRL.com and it yeah. is dead. It's dead. Well, the NRL's over. That was it. It had a good run. <laughs> now we've got to watch Super League. <laughs> yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, we have to watch, a, you know, a bunch of park footballs running hey. and saying, we're the champions. Hey. I can watch Castleford now. That's an upgrade on the West Tigers. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Um, you know what I've seen a lot of recently are teams that feel like they deserve something mm. and it's like, oh, we deserve this. We deserved a penalty at this point. We deserve we respect. respect. We deserved, you know, they're, they're celebrating too hard when they score tries against us. And I just wonder like, that old chestnut. yeah, like what the fuck is going on? Is this something to do with, um, people being sad because of COVID lockdowns, which we're about to probably enter another one soon, which I won't be taking part in. I'm out, man. I'm going to walk the streets <laughs> like a fucking Ronin, let me tell you. But, um, yeah, I feel like that there's a lot of sadness that's seeping out in the game at the moment where people just need a cuddle instead of realising it's a game of fucking football and you don't deserve anything. You've got to go out there and win it. Yeah, look, I think... I think we get to this point of the season around Origin mm-hmm. where the media are talking so often and so loudly, more than usual, because of Origin. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the people just occasionally, they drop their guard and they listen to it. And it makes them sad or angry, a bit of both. I think that's what it comes down to. Because it seems to happen around the same time every year. That's a good and they point. come out of the origin, half the fan base are pissed off, the other half are happy because of the origin result. And then you give them a week or two and it's like, oh, the finals are coming up. Oh, oh no, we're not going to make it. Oh, it's not fair. Yeah, everyone, like, they're whingy bitches about everything at the moment. And it's like, what the fuck is going on in the game where everyone feels like that unless their opponent is rolling over and dying in front of them, that everyone's out to get them. It's like, oh, the referees, that they hate us. I wish I had a dollar for every fucking fan base I see on Twitter that thinks the referees hate them. It's like, <laughs> like you're the not ones important. Who, I like the ones who keep blaming the referees for their one or two mistakes that they might make in a game as the reason why they lost 42 to 2. <laughs> yeah. Like, I like oh, oh, that penalty you blew the wrong way. That cost us 40 points. Look, I like it when Sean Johnson throws a cutout pass to the fucking touch judge for the fifth yeah. time in a game, and then Warriors fans are like, oh, they're fucking smashing us with the penalties. It's like, <laughs> your fucking team shit. It's not the referee. It's the fucking team is shit. Yeah. They'll sit there and they'll blame the referee for their one or two mistakes, but they won't say, they won't bat a fucking eyelid at the copious amount of mistakes that their players make. Yeah. That's the uh, one of the beautiful hypocrisies of rugby league. I know when the Panthers have been shit, I get angry at the Penrith Panthers, right? And I've been fucking angry at the Penrith Panthers before, right? So it, because I, I've I've got this thing of like you got to beat everything, you got to beat the fucking the grass is too tall, you got to fucking run through it, man. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know it's too slippery. Put better studs on your boots and shut the fuck up. You got to beat everything. Right. And so when I see these fan bases that it's like, oh, man, another bad fucking referee performance against us. It's like you're the Gold Coast Titans. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, there's no excuses. Yeah. That's this is it. people complaining about. Oh, we had too many injuries. Going, Every club has injuries. It's not an excuse anymore. Manly's got injuries to its star player. They're still winning games and racking up big scores. You figure a good team can figure out a way around those things. A shit yeah. team just whinges about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I feel too. Like, it's not often you hear the Melbourne Storm whinge too much, you know. They just kind of no. get on with it. And look, even the Broncos to some extent during the 90s when they had 75% of their squad was out through origin, they didn't whinge that much, and they had every goddamn right to because they were basically mm. playing reserve grade teams against, you know, and a, a full reserve grade team against the NRL side. Mm-hmm. They didn't complain that much. I mean, I know there was one or two seasons where they brought it up, but it was only after several years of having to deal with it. I know when uh, when Penrith had in the last few years when they've had heaps of plays out through Origin. At first, you're like, oh, this is not going to be great for us. But, like, you very quickly work out that, like, please name all of our players in origin and rep teams because it means all of our players are origin and rep player quality players, you know? Like, in an ideal situation, in in origin and the rep season rolls around, I want 17 Panthers named (laughs) in those rep teams because that means there's 17 fucking rep players in black jerseys for the rest of the year. 
it's yeah. not a, it's not a reason to whinge. It's a reason to sort of be like, well, this is fucking great. It's a really yeah. good problem to have. Yeah, that's how good our team is. And even when they have that issue and they run out their second grade team, they can still win. Yeah. Disrespectfully, but still. Yeah, well, they're, they're disrespectful. And they always have been, but only to the West Tigers. I don't know what it is. I don't know why Penrith have got such a thing against the West Tigers. Them and, them and the Canberra Raiders, to be fair. Bit of a rivalry going on there. Yeah. Apparently. Actually, no, no. It's sorry. I've been reading. I've read a bit of the media. It's bitter rivalry. Bitter. Yeah. It's always bitter rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> it's never. A, why is there never a sweet rivalry? Mm. Mm. Like an acute rivalry. Oh. <laughs> An adorable rivalry. <laughs> That's what the Panthers versus West Tigers is. <laughs> exactly. It's an absolutely adorable rivalry. Yeah, it's an adorable rivalry. I like it. <laughs> oh, so what so, else has been going on in the world? Yeah, I was thinking, is there any other big rugby league news that we haven't covered yet? Um, I know Anthony Griffin's been put under the pump by the media. Yeah, I saw the media going after Griffin because they had one loss. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, well, I do in the sense that the media is always trying to find a way to sack a coach so it creates news. Because mm. um, they've now done a little bit of the same thing on not so much questioning about Brad Arthur being sacked, but more about the fact that um, the Eels apparently had, had tried to shop him off to another club and he was unaware of it. Well, I, I, my understanding was it was his manager that shopped him to another club, and um, that's he, that's his manager's job. Like, yeah. if you if your manager isn't going around and saying, "Look, my client is on," and I'm just tossing up a number, I don't know, but just let's say Brad Arthur's on eight hundred thousand bucks a year at the at the Eels. If if his manager isn't going around saying, "Do you want Brad Arthur for?" 1.2 million bucks a year, then his manager isn't doing his job. No, that's right. That's, that's what they've got to do. Yeah. Um, there's reports coming from Canberra that Ricky Stewart could be about to sign a two-year extension. Yeah, I think I think he actually has signed that. I saw reports that he had signed it. What he probably, think, he what probably wrote up the that? contract extension. Probably he's he's the power broker there. I think it's a good move. I think that yeah, look, I don't think he's doing that bad there. Yeah, I, I look. There's nobody out there that you look at and you say, well, that would be a remarkably better person for the job. And to Ricky Stewart's well, credit, he he got rid of a lot of the losers and idiots that were in that team, and they look a lot better for it. To be honest, I mean, he's done that at every club he's been to. His problem he had another at the other club, especially Parramatta and Cronulla, was was building the new team. He was good at getting rid of the people he didn't need. He's great for a clean-out, but building that team to work from, especially with local juniors, that was always his struggle there. He's starting to... I think he's more comfortable in that Canberra structure, so he's a lot better at understanding it all there and making it work there. Um, and having a team that's willing to actually let him stay there for a while and build what he needs to do, um, that's important. So... I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it works all right there. Yeah, so do um, I. So do I. Apparently, two teenage boys um, had sent death threats to Mitch Moses, and apparently police have found them. Good. Um, I hope they, you know, scare him a little bit and 
so that they realize it's just dumb. Why would you do that? Why would you threaten to Mitch Moses? Like, I know you and me have joked about Mitch Moses we, before, but yeah, we, we never, we never threatened to kill him or have him do anything like that. That's no, stupid. no, no. It's just, um, what they should do is punishment. Get these two boys and put them in West Tigers jumpers in a matchup against Parramatta, and they can play in the front row. I was going to say what they should do as punishment is sign them as the Tigers coach from 2027. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate punishment. That could, that could work. Well, that, that could be going too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, I, isn't it weird when you see people that um, they – they they watch a, a sport, but they um, they do it wrong. I guess is the way to put it. Where they either invest too much into it, or they the way that they follow a sport is through anger or mm. or disappointment or something. Like I watch sport to be happy, but there's I think there's a lot of people that watch sport as an outlet for negative emotions. Yeah, they rage watch it. Yeah, yeah. And look, there's a difference between watching your team and they're poor and you're angry about it and watching a sport and you're just fucking angry about everything. Like I can yeah. watch any team in the NRL and and just be out of my chair going, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, they're, like it doesn't matter what team it is. But the, I think yeah. that there are people that use use sports sometimes as a negative outlet for bad emotions. Basically, mainstream journos. Well, you, look, they're they I think they drive a lot of it. To be honest with you, because of course they do. They're negative people in general, and uh, they're always complaining. They're yeah, always they are. nasty, always vindictive. There's a lot of nastiness in the journalism in rugby league. It's really mm. weird. Um, there's no analysis anymore, and I mean analysis in in corporate media for rugby league is gone. Um, yeah, you've got to go to independent websites and stuff like that to get genuine, proper, thorough, educated analysis. Yeah, you're not going to get it from the mainstream media because they don't watch the game. No, no, it's uh, and I like that's why I say to people if if you're on Twitter and uh, just block all of the corporate media. Because and and the journalists, because you will see a timeline change incredibly, and you'll still see people complaining, but you'll realise that a lot of complaints that you see come from a source, and that source is almost always the corporate press, um, yep. and, and it's very weird when you realise that, and you're like, this is just it, this is a business driven on anger. And I'm just not interested in being angry about stuff. So you just get rid of it off your timeline. Exactly right. It's exactly what you do. Can I ask you a question, Andrew? Please do. Please do. Are you ready for the new COVID regime to hit us like a fucking brick shit house? Well, I've been through a few of them already. So what's another one? I've got to say, I'm fucking out. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Everyone can do what they want medically. I'm not going to give medical advice on here. I'm not Andrew Johns. <laughs> but me personally, I'm fucking out. Okay? I'm not doing any of it. Not doing any of it? None of it. <laughs> None of it. 
Not one bit of it. I'm going oh, to drive yeah. further than, than five kilometers. Is, I mean, is, is this legit going to happen or is it just a fear thing coming in? What the general like, is it just they're trying to scare us into saying it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen? Yeah, like sometimes I find, um, you know, having lived in Melbourne, mm-hmm. the the threat of a lockdown would be used to try and make people become a bit more um, strict with their movements and what they were doing and go, oh, we better behave ourselves so we don't get another lockdown. It's like a punishment threat. I guess um, do you think possible. that might be what's coming along in, in Sydney? There's a lot of those punishment threats, though. Um, mm-hmm. Like I saw one today where it was like they said that a billion animals were either displaced or killed by bushfires that we had not too long ago and that we need to change for the animals. And all I could think of was, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Teach them to fuck quicker? Like, <laughs> like if fire, one of the most natural things in the world, decides to wipe out a billion animals, what the fuck am I supposed to do about that? I will, teach, so much, I will teach wombats yeah. to fuck quicker. I will. <laughs> but outside of that... There, there's a video that won't appear on YouTube. <laughs> you know, well, why not? It's nature, isn't it? Watching wombats fuck. That's what wow. I tell myself. I'll, I'll leave you with that one. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was contemplating their awkward silence. I thought, oh, no, I can't do that to you. No. No. It's like when they say we can't, we're gonna have to get used to a future that uh, where you don't eat as much meat because meat pollutes the environment. Anyway, I'm onto my private jet, onto my next conference. I'll see you later. It's like fuck you. Yeah, exactly. We'll keep, we'll keep making more chaos. Oh, man, I'm going to eat all the meat. I only buy... Uh, I've got an Xbox controller. I only buy disposable batteries. It's not a rechargeable one because I want to leave a pile of batteries behind, hey? <laughs> and if anybody out there thinks the environment is a wonderful, magical place, go and sleep outside tonight. See what the environment does to you. This message brought to you by the Greens Party. Exactly. I'm out, man. I'm fucking out on all of it. You don't. I am fucking, I am not doing any of it. Speaking of out, and this is a uh, a very loose, flimsy segue back to rugby league chat. Okay. Adam O'Brien. He just got sacked. Bullshit. Oh, no, I thought you. Were, I thought that's what you no, were no, announcing. No, I, I said I'm out. He's not going to get sacked. He's a Newcastle coach. Oh, I was all excited for Newcastle fans yeah. all the time. Newcastle have had 12 coaches since 1988. Mm-hmm. Just 12. Where do you reckon he ranks on that list for win percentage? 12 coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say... Ooh, I'm going to say second last. No, he's not that low, but he's not far off. No way. There's no way. Where where yeah. does he rank? Well, Nathan Brown is last, 25%. Yep. yep. Danny Baderas, 33%. Yeah. Just six games. Yep. Alan McMahon, 40.7%. Rick Stone, 43.1%. Adam O'Brien, 44.4%. Wow. Holy shit. So, <laughs> Rick Stone had 31 wins from 72 games. Adam O'Brien's coached nine games less, and he's got three wins less. It's got to be said about Rick Stone, though, that he was doing not too bad with the Knights, 
and nah. then and then uh, Wayne Bennett come in with the giant knife, right? <laughs> Stabbed him in the back. Said, "Dude, you can be the coach when I'm finished with them." And then when Wayne Bennett was finished with them, the Knights were finished for about the next six years. So yeah. Rick Stone really was there's nothing you could do with that team. Thing, so. Stone was trying to build them up into that next era, and Bennett took that, um, got a little bit out of it, destroyed it. And they said, here you go, Rick, I'm off. Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly and what him happened. A, and bought him a burning bag of turd. Yeah. And, what, was uh, Rick Stone's, what was Rick Stone's record before they sacked him after in that sick second stint? Uh, in 2015? Yeah. He had four, six wins that year. And he saw out the season? Six, no, six wins in 18 games. Okay. So 30... Odd percent. Look, that's not too bad considering the team he had. And he won his I mean, he won his first four games of that year, so he only had two wins for the remaining fourteen games. Oh, that's a rough one. <laughs> yeah. But uh That'll do it. He wasn't doing too shabbily. It was with the quality that he had there. Yeah. And then Nathan Brown steps in and does a rebuild. Like yeah. a Nathan Brown rebuild. Wow. <laughs> That that was that was sad. You wouldn't want Nathan Brown building a fucking pergola for you, would you? <laughs> he'd, he'd turn up with a uh, he'd turn up with just a bit of tarp, and then he'd just hand it to you. Here you go, you finish it off. Yeah, he'd get to the end of it, it'd be half up, falling over and stuff, and he'd say, "Let me tell you about my daughter. She's to blame for all of this." <laughs> yeah, I gave her the hammer. Look what she did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll give it up on building pergolas now. I, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll hand out brochures on how to build pergolas, but that's all I'll do. Isn't it funny that when he he quit on the New Zealand Warriors, um, he he came out in the media and one of the things he said was that he wanted to help young coaches. <laughs> do what exactly? <laughs> what words of wisdom was Nathan Brown going to pass on that he couldn't fucking do himself? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Not fucking much. Listen, if you want to have a good coaching record, you don't fucking coach. <laughs> yeah, look at everything I did and try and do the opposite. Yeah. Well, first I mean, thing you'd is, have... the first thing you don't want to do is slap your star playmaker in the face. It always doesn't end up well. Oh, come on. He deserved it. Yeah, he probably did, but still. I still can't believe he did that. I would have, I would have fucking attacked him like the Predator, I swear to God. It would have been like uh, one of the fucking aliens. It just would have, there would have been no gravity in the room at that point. Yeah. How long does Adam O'Brien last? Because, man, he's been, surely he's been in line to get sacked longer than the, all the other coaches that have been there, or have been sacked already this year, sorry. My guess is he gets to the end of the year now. Um, and then, but then you've got to think like, who does, who is Newcastle lining up? Because you can't just, I think. Maguire's free. Well, that's the thing. Maybe they're hoping that Maguire's still there, but in this, this day and age, you can't sort of get to November and then start looking for your coach. You know, you've kind of got to line it up beforehand because the new coach wants to have certain things in place. He's got to get together his assistant coaching side and, 
He normally doesn't want the guys that have already been there because they've been crap. They got their head coach sacked. So, so I don't know how that process would would happen. But yeah, that's my guess is that O'Brien sees out the year. Um, and yeah, I, I would have Maguire. It'd be Magu- at this stage. It would be Maguire, and then Tuvi. That would be my top two. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they won't do that. No, they'll they'll get somebody that was a former Knights player because Matthew John said he'd be a good coach, and Ooh, then he will see. have he will have former Knights players as his assistant coaches, and and they won't win anything. That's yeah. how it works. That's exactly how it works. They wait for Matthew John to to make his statement. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you just say, oh, this this bloke's a good bloke. And you go, oh, Joe's giving his blessing. I'm sorry, not Joey. The other Joey has given his blessing. I actually had somebody on Twitter bring up a really interesting point about when the media says this is going to be the next great coach. And they're saying about Cameron Serraldo at the moment. And they were saying like that people like Dean Young had been assistant coaches at a number of different places. And, and these places they had um, gone from being not great clubs to better than they were before. And, why is somebody like Dean Young not put forward on the same level as a Cameron Serraldo? And I, I, it was a really good question because I don't know. And and I said to them, I think it's manager driven. I think maybe someone like a Cameron Serraldo has a better manager. And so you see their name in the media a bit more. They get pushed more by the media. Um but as we've said on this podcast, you never know. I don't care who you are. If it, like, no one ever knows you're going to be a good first-grade coach until you've been coaching first-grade for a little while. And you either have it or you don't. I agree. I agree. And if you've got it, everyone's going to know about it. At the moment, the way they work, like, remember Garth Brennan? Yeah. And Matty Johns pushed that barrow way up that fucking hill. Yeah. Um, stupid. Look, even somebody like, you look at Brett Kamali, right? On paper, Brett Kamali should be a great coach. He should be a really great coach. <laughs> to be honest, we're not really going to know. Well, not this at not least the, West Tigers. Nah, and this is not the best way to find out whether you're a good coach or not. And that's um, why I think he should leave immediately. Because this is going to kill his coaching career. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd walk away in an instant from that. Just say, you know what? If if I'm not doing it next year, why am I doing it at all? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, he was he was doing. I believe he was the coach of the one of the lower grades teams. Yeah, that's how he got the gig. But uh, yeah, I I wouldn't fucking do it. Not as an interim coach when you know that you're not doing it next year. Fuck that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah, he, Walk away. He, you've got to do it for yourself. But then, like, what's Brett Kamali's reply to that? Like, does Brett Kamali say, I understand completely, but they're paying me $200,000 for the rest of the year to do this, and I can't walk away from $200,000 because but it's, only, but it's only one payment of $200,000 if it goes bad. And so you've got to make those decisions on the spot of, you know, do I take the quick cash that's on offer? Yeah. And hope that I can turn it because I mean it'd be kind of like the Todd Payton gig at the Warriors. If I can make it work and make the team improved, who knows what's coming? Around. I could get a million dollar coaching job next. But yeah. if the squad's not great, then all of a sudden you 
kind of getting a bit like Trent Barrett. You're like, <laughs> clubs are going to say, mm, not that one, thanks. Can you ever think, though, of, of an interim coach that did such a good job? That And Todd Payton's a really good example. Like, he... I, he was. He's probably the best example I can think of. Yeah, that, I think Peyton's probably the best example. I can't think of too many others. Um, I, you know what? In a weird way, Jeff Tuvey, because he took actually, over. Yeah. He took over a in a, a weird circumstance where um, Des Hasler left after that grand final, and they were like, "Well, we, you know, we're sort of between a rock and a hard place. Let's let." Jeff Tuvey take over, and Tuvey did really well. But then again, Jeff Tuvey hasn't had a, a first-grade coaching job since. No, that's right. Um, what's, what would be another one? Um, John Morris, maybe? Yeah, John Morris. Probably not Not on the same level as Tuvey, though. No, no. Um I think of, I think it might be going through the list of coaches. See if any stick out that might have started as an interim coach. Um, <laughs> I won't look at that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, Matthew Elliott. <laughs> oh, no, please don't. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there's not a huge number here. No. It's weird how, like, um, people that you could say are failed first-grade coaches, you feel really sad when you look at their, when you see their name as a coach. But those people don't get around with that baggage that you have for them mentally. No, that's right. Like, like you, a Paul Langmac, you think of Paul Langmac as a coach. It wasn't good, right? Mm. But Paul Langmack is a fucking happy guy. Like, he's not getting around thinking of himself as a not a good first-grade coach. But it's weird how you have that emotion about a poor first-grade coach. Yeah. Like, somewhere out there, Garth Brennan's living a good life, you know? Well, we assume he is. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what he is doing now. No well, one talks I, about these coaches after they get axed and never get rehired again. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like, like you think of say Jason Taylor, when we think, oh man, he had a rough go as first grade coach a number of times. But I bet Jason Taylor is pretty happy with how his life has turned out right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he's. Didn't he go back to being an assistant coach at the Roosters? Roosters, yeah, which yeah, is where he, he came be, from initially. He might be North Sydney coach. Um, here we go. Brad Arthur was an interim coach in 2012. Ah, there you go. He's had a long career. Then he missed 2013 because I think Ricky Stewart came in. Then he got the coaching gig in 2014. Ah, he did the – he, like, did a reverse Rick Stone. Yeah, he sort of filled in, bided his time. Yeah, because I think it was Ricky Stewart at Parramatta in 2013, that diabolical season he had. Man, you got if you're in a good situation, you've got to stick with it. That's the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs right now should just just go to Potter and say, "Hey, dude, just stay here." But Potter, this is the thing I don't get about clubs with Mick Potter is he's proven no matter where he's gone that he's very good at what he does. Hmm. 
and he's never gone to an easy situation. No. It's yeah, it's easy to do a Nathan Brown and go to a Huddersfield town that had already been set or go to St Helens and be successful. Yeah. But as soon as he found that he went to, when he went to a club that wasn't set, that hadn't even got to the bottom yet, let alone needed rebuilding, you start to see how good they are. Mm-hmm. Mick Potter, though, he went to Bradford when they were broke. <clears throat> he got them back up into, I think he got them back up into championship, second division. Mm-hmm. Um, went to the West Tigers. He was turning them around before Talos opened his fat mouth. Um, that's all it was. Oh, I need to have an opinion to be famous for five minutes. <laughs> oh, mix my friend. I want to help him out by getting him sacked. Good work, you fucking dick. <laughs> uh, if, with friends like Taylor, who needs enemies? <laughs> Just fucking wanker. Do you reckon he rang up Mick Potter after that and said, Dude, you're just I'm looking out for you, mate. <laughs> I'm looking out for you, mate. I don't like you being bullied around. He goes, Mick goes, yeah, thanks, mate. Now I don't have a job at all. You just undermined <laughs> me so badly, dude. And then he goes, yeah, no worries. He's going, I was being sarcastic. He's going, what's a sarcastic? <laughs> Fuck off, Gordon, you dumb prick. <laughs> don't call this number again. <laughs> Fucking Talos. It's it's weird how some situations are good and, and like, just stick with it. And Potter at the Bulldogs, for whatever reason, it's working. And, you know, you know you don't know how long it's going to work for, but just keep with it because why would you change? And <clears throat> I tend to think that Ivan Cleary's like that at the Panthers. Like, obviously, he went to the, the West Tigers, and that was a fucking disaster. Like, there's no way around that. It was terrible. Yeah. But um, he's come back to the Panthers and, like, it's been great. He was great at the the New Zealand Warriors, as we've talked about. And just these these people and coaches and players and stuff that leave good situations, man, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I understand wanting to make more money and stuff like that, but sometimes when you're on good money anyway, you're better off just staying in that good situation. Fully agree. Can't argue with your logic again, mate. You've been flawless tonight. I've been. Oh, started off pretty angry. Well, let's go. I'll take over every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) So I reckon uh, we should put out our um, our stats. uh, Not our stats. Our preview um, for the upcoming round tomorrow. What do you reckon? Sounds good. Okay, excellent. Which which then means I've got to ask you the question. Yes. Have we had any emails? I think we have. Let me go <gasps> wire them up. Get excited here. Yeah. Caught him off guard there, people, saying so he's got to got to fire up the uh, the email machine. The old email machine. It's so many emails too. It's ridiculous. Uh, another team has entered our tipping competition. By the way, Brian Yawning. That sounds like a a real name. Um, Speaking me... of, I don't think I've been putting my chips in for the last few weeks. Oh, really? And, and I don't think anyone would have known it any different. <laughs> oh, man. I'm uh, dreadful. Okay, so, so we've got an email here from Joe. It's an interesting email, too. He's, sure it is. The subject is American Rugby League fan. 
And he says, I'm an American rugby league fan who follows Souths and Melbourne in the NRL. And then he says he's also a Utah Jazz fan in the NBA, which I feel sorry for him, man. Utah Jazz fan, as a Rockets fan, you probably know how much sympathy I have for you. Um, if you have, okay, here it is. If you have a question for me or want me on your pod, please let me know. Also, I'm interested in elections and voting broadly and would like to know about your experiences voting in Australian elections. And then he says, I would have voted for the Greens slash ALP in the last election, but I don't care if you voted for Liberals, Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party, et cetera, et cetera. I enjoy listening to your podcast and have been a fan of the site for many years. Well, thank you for that, Joe. That's really interesting uh, email and one that's pretty, like, it's kind of like non-rugby league related, hey? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on voting in Australia? Because I think that compulsory voting is a good thing because you get the politicians that the vast majority of people have picked. Exactly right. No one can complain. Yeah. Um. I, I find that Americans find some of the Australian systems um, trivial. Mm-hmm. Not not wrong or bad. It's just so opposite to what they have that they can't quite wrap their head around it. Mm. And that's, again, it's not a criticism. It's just uh, there's some things we have which are poles apart. And the voting thing is one. There's so many things that can uh, infiltrate the American election system that we've found in the last few um, elections anyway, that can sway it. And we do have a similar thing here as to how they have over there, and that is the right-wing mainstream media and the impact it can have and how it can be bought by certain areas, I guess. So, you know, certain opinions come along based on who's paying for those opinions, so to speak, and trying to sway views and stuff like that. Um, Americans have got a lot of power wrapped up in lobby groups. Um, we don't really have that here. I don't think anyone's really that heavily invested in Australia, to be honest. Um, as far as the overall system goes, I think everyone's... No one really complained that much when it became compulsory, and no one really whinges about it anymore. Because all you got to do is just... You can put in for a postal vote and get one sent to you so you can do it at home before the election, or you can just rock up to the election stand in queue for a while and... You don't even have to vote on paper if you don't want to. you just got to get your name ticked off the roll. Go home, get a sausage on your way out. Softens the blow a bit. And then Depends where you put sausage, really. Um, that's true. <laughs> I, look, I, I think that compulsory voting is a good thing. As I said, I think it gives you more representation in terms of who you get for your politicians. Um, I think that uh, having standardised uh, ballots... Uh, throughout the nation and counting systems and how it's all controlled by the one body is a very good thing. Whereas in the US, it is very fractured. They have all sorts of different voting systems and and uh, I, 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 it just it does open it up for something to go wrong at some point. Um, and in terms of our our political parties and and influences and stuff like that. I just think they're all the same thing. I think that they're one of the interesting things we have in Australia, and in a weird way, it's a good thing, is that there's a certain level of apathy in terms of our political landscape. 
And I think that that stops extremism to a certain extent. We do still have it, but not to the levels that you see in other countries. Um, I also think that, uh, that there should be, um, just that standardized system. But yeah, I, I just think politicians are all the same thing, to be honest with you. And, and all the parties in Australia, they're just, you know, they, they say one thing and they all do the other. There's a politician right now. Yeah, he just released a policy. <laughs> oh, great. Now we can't eat meat. Ah, and he's back to sleep. He must be, he must be in Clive Palmer's party. Oh, he must have one of those comfortable first-class seats on his private jumbo jet. Of course he does. Good work, fella. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, if you want to come on the podcast, mate, we've got no issue with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and now, I think we had another email, and i got to find it. Hang on a second. I get so many emails, it's ridiculous. You uh, might have got a text message too, wink, wink. Okay, hang on, hang on. I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. I'm just looking. I got. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do one thing at a time. Um, and still looking. Still looking. Yes, I know the website's updated in that email. Still looking. <laughs> I, I I I can't find any other emails. Um. So, we also have a situation where uh, one of our followers, our long-term followers, is doing Dry July. It's MoFo Storm Fan. Now, we'll put this link in the description of this podcast. He's doing Dry July. I'm just opening the link for it now. He's, uh, a, he's raised 30 bucks, but he wants to get to 500 Yeah, yeah. So uh, AJ has put in some money for him and Liam has put some money in for him. We're going to chuck in a little bit uh, on behalf of the Fergo and the Freak podcast as well. And we would like all of our listeners, if you can afford to, to chuck in a little bit on MoFo Storm fans um, dry July. Um, you know, he's, he's been a supporter of both you and me for a long time, hasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, get get behind him. It's a good cause. And, uh, yeah, do what you can. And as he says in here, so time of year again when he asks everyone to open their wallets and help him raise some much-needed funds for cancer research, let me give up alcohol for a month so that you don't have to. He's taken one for the team. The least yeah. we can do is donate some cash to him, and it goes to cancer research. Exactly. Exactly. Come on, people. Follow our lead. We're going to put some coins in there for him, mm-hmm. and uh, we're getting. He wants to get to five hundred bucks. Sure, we can get that done. You think so? Hi, absolutely. We'll get there. So go check out Mofo Storm fans. As I said, we'll put the link up. Um, we'll share it around on the on the socials as well, so you'll get to see it as well. Yep, one hundred percent. And if you can't, if you can't donate a cent to it, that's fine. Share it around. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the best way to help out. If you can't donate, share the link around. Yeah, because like that's half the battle getting these things seen. So exactly right. You know, it's for a good cause. Bloody eyes. Well, it's been a fantastic episode, Andrew. I think we've probably offended as many people as we possibly can. Yeah, bro. Um, <laughs> oh man. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Andrew John's neck is feeling fine right now. Mate, tell you what, it ex- it's, it's sweet, bruh. I tell you what, it explains a lot of his commentary, doesn't it? 
I bet you he's still surfing right now at quarter to 12 at night. <laughs> have you ever done surfing? No. No, nah, neither have I. I'm from the country. I don't do water. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, I'm from <laughs> Sydney. I don't do water either. Any, that's anything right. that's anything that's deeper than a bath, you kind of look at it and you're like, where the fuck would I go in that? Yeah. That's all right. If I can't walk on it, how can I trust it? If I can't see the bottom of it, no fucking way. Exactly right. I don't want any of those sea creatures gnawing away at my feet. I need my feet. Exactly. Also, surfing's not a sport. There, I said it. Well, you're just floating on a piece of wood. I mean... Well, it's transport. <laughs> it's barely that. You don't yeah. even get to go somewhere. You just turn around and go back to where you started from. That's not Yeah, transport. pretty much. It's like time wasting. It's like I, being on a bus. It's like I caught a wave and then we give it a score. It's like fuck off. It's not a sport. Really even score is like, and are they scoring the wave? I don't know. I really don't know. Wouldn't it be great if we found out that the whole time they were doing surfing, the people weren't even judging the surfing; they were just judging the waves. Ooh, judging that's a good wave. Give that, give that wave a nine. It was going, yeah, what a great surfing. Going, what are they talking about? Looking at I just, waves. Look, I just think Kelly Slater's like 72 at this point, and he's still really good at surfing, like on a world stage. Yeah. That ain't a sport. I mean, he may as well. I mean, darts is more of a sport. Dart, yeah, and darts ain't a sport. It is horse racing, but, you know. Is bowling a sport? Yeah. You reckon bowling's a sport? Yeah, why not? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Is lawn bowls lawn bowls is a sport. Yeah. Yeah, lawn bowls is definitely a sport. A lot of skill involved in lawn bowls. Yeah. I mean, if it's got balls, it's sport. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left that door open for you. Uh what a walk through it so bad. <laughs> oh. uh, well, Thanks for tuning in, people. Make sure you check us out on the socials at uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Virgo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, MySpace. Check us out on all of those. Like, follow, subscribe, all that gear. That'd be fantastic. Um, make sure you give us a review on your podcast listening app or device, whatever you use. Um, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you can contact us, Freaky. You go on your email machine and you put in these words, podcast at leaguefreak.com and you make the subject something podcast or something you know and we will read it out on our podcast together yeah hot <laughs> mm, mm. i just also want to say that uh just on a personal note i hope uh julie's device turned up she had a device that she brought at a shop and it had been sent around all, all over Australia and she still hadn't received it. And I know she really wants that device, so I hope she got it eventually. No. I mean, nice. Yeah, I hope she did get it. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Catch us all later. Palmer bet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.